Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we come before you, and today we're going to be in the book of Psalms, specifically the 51st Psalm. So I pray over everyone here, everyone watching online, Lord, I pray that this would be a time where we, much like David, can see ourselves for who we are and see you for who you are and see how much mercy and love you have for us and how much you care for us. No matter what our past looks like, God, you are there for us. You're there to transform us, redeem us, and change us. Please help us this morning just that your Holy Spirit would move in our hearts and our minds to help us to see ways that, that we, can, we can turn from what we're doing to be more like you and turn to be closer to you. We say all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. That was the best good morning on daylight savings I think I've ever had. So that was good. You guys, you guys are getting an A so far. I'm excited to be here this morning because we're starting a new series called Lent. Um, the themes are going to be Remembrance, Repental, and Renewal. And what does that look like in our lives? As we look forward to Easter, we look forward to Palm Sunday, what does that look like? We're going to be focused today in the book of Psalms. We're going to be in Psalm 51. Psalm 51, it's actually one of my favorite psalms. My favorite psalm is actually Psalm 13. And some of you may read this during service while I'm preaching and go, why is that psalm your favorite? So you can ask me afterwards. But Psalm 51 is where we're going to be today. And we're starting this new series. Lent is literally the 40 days leading up to Good Friday. So it actually started on Ash Wednesday, which was about a week and a half ago. And it's something where you, you essentially, if anyone's given up something on Lent, you ever heard of that term, giving up something on Lent? So people say things like, I'm going to give up social media, and it lasts about three days. I'm going to give up chocolate, and that lasts about two days. And I'm going to give up coffee, and it lasts till daylight savings time changes, okay? So there's, like, we do things, but the purpose is not just giving something up. The purpose is realizing and, and memorializing the fact that Jesus made a sacrifice for you. So this morning, if you have our app, you can click at the link at the top of the feed. It'll go right to our YouVersion event, and you can follow along there. So today we're going to talk about broken hearts. Any of you ever have your heart broken? Maybe in high school? Let's see, like something like that? Yeah? So, so the feeling when you have a broken heart is the same in every culture. I read a lot. I hear about it from different cultures. Like the, the, the opposite is that fluttery heart feeling you have when you're in love, right? This fluttery heart feeling. Your, your heart races when you see that guy or that girl that you really like. Maybe it's, maybe it's a feeling on a wedding day. But then... A broken heart is like that pit of the stomach. You can't get rid of it quickly. Anxious feeling. It's just in your gut when your heart is broken and something needs to change. Time. It takes a lot of time to change that. C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite authors, says this about, about love. And I think, I think we need to listen to this and understand this a little bit. He says, To love it all is to be vulnerable. Can I get an amen for those of us that, amen, right? You're vulnerable. Love anything in your heart will be wrung out and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. So dogs are off limits too, okay? I'm not a cat person, so if you're a cat person, sorry. Wrap it carefully around with ho hobbies and little luxuries. 
Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up in a safe, a casket, or a coffin of your own selfishness. But in that casket, it'll be safe, dark, motionless, airless. And it will change. It will not be broken. It'll be unbreakable, impenetrable, unredeemable. And then he ends with the same phrase that he started with. To love is to be vulnerable. We were made to love God. We were made to love God, but sometimes we try to protect our hearts so much that we forget that God is who he says he is, a loving God. So we often run to loving our sin. We give our hearts over to desires that's not really what God's will for our life is, and we know that, which leads to a need that we all have. We have a need for God to repair our broken heart. This is a place of freedom. Freedom from that pit of the stomach feeling, but freedom to turn from sin to be right before God. I think of it like this. If God, if situations don't come that our hearts are broken, I'm not going to say God does it, but if situations don't happen that our hearts are not broken, we will never seek after him because we'll be lost in our own selfishness of thinking we have it all together. Just to give you a short example from my own life, when I was 17, I had one week that I just call, it's like the worst week I've ever had in my life. And I might have shared this here before, but in one week, I had a girlfriend break up with me. Really glad because it wasn't Heidi, okay, guys? It wasn't my wife. (laughs) High school girlfriend breaks up with me. Two days later, I find out that my grandma passed away. That That was hard. Then a few days later, I found out that my dad needed a second kidney transplant because the kidney he had wasn't functioning, and I'm going to have to go through two more years of him being on dialysis. And I just remember thinking like, God, can I get any worse than this? And you know what I did? You know what most high school students do when they're in relationships? They spend time with their girlfriend rather than their friends that'll be there after the relationship breaks up because you're in high school. So if you're high school sweethearts, sorry, you're, you're, you're you're outside the norm. And so... Basically, I had no friends, I had nowhere to turn, and I only could turn to God. Because my family was grieving what was happening in two levels, and then I didn't know where to turn. So I had a broken heart. My heart was broken and needed to be pieced back together. So when I read Psalm 51, I look at a God that puts broken hearts back together. But David's heart was broken because of one thing. It was because of his sin. And so Follow along with me here. Turn to, turn to Psalm 51. We're going to see how David's broken heart led to repentance and led to transformation. So the first, the first two verses here say, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. I'm going to stop right there. Just two verses. There's so much here. This this psalm was likely written when David, right after David had just committed adultery and lied to help someone get murdered. That's huge. He's a murderer. He's an adulterer. And, And so if David can write this right here, I think any of us can write this in our life. So those first two verses, if you say that, if you if you say, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. If David can say it, you can too. There's not a too far gone mentality that sometimes we have. All have sinned against God. We're all in sin. But God is set apart. It's almost as if 
He's over here and we're over there and we can never reach him except for through Jesus Christ. And so David is here saying he's not completely pure, but God is completely pure. These first two verses is the first step of repentance. The first step. The first step is that repentance is an appeal to God's character. We're appealing to God because he's merciful, he loves us, he cares for us. This is an appeal to God's character. The way God is described here is having mercy, steadfast love, and abundant mercy. I don't know about you, but when things are repetitive, they get really annoying to me. So when he says mercy and then he says abundant mercy, it's just a lot. It's just a whole lot. His love is stable when we're not. You ever notice that, that you balance each other out? When you're in a relationship, you kind of balance each other out. When something's crazy in one person's life, it, it's not as crazy in the other person's life, so that you're able to, to balance that out. God's love is stable when we're not. We're not stable in our love for him. And so repentance is the response to realizing we have a problem. I don't know about you, but probably the most frustrating thing is when you talk to someone that you know has a problem, you tell them about the problem, you explain how you see it, and they're like, I don't got no problem. I, no, I don't got any problem. God is, is right here is looking at a man that realizes he has a problem. If saying it one way is not enough, David says, he talks about sin in three different ways. He talks about the iniquity, he talks about the transgressions, and he talks about sin. Three different ways. And really, those could be translated rebellion, waywardness, going away, failure. We've missed the mark, we've rebelled against God, and we need him to blot, wash, and cleanse us. I don't know about you, but that seems somewhat of a negative solution. Like, just eliminate who I am, God, because I am so sinful. It's, there's, it's destroying part of who we are, and it's not redeeming us. So at this point, David pivots to share the depths of his sin. Sometimes we need to realize how deep this goes. So we're surfacy. We're like, I'm a good person. I pay the IRS taxes I'm supposed to. I do this. I, you know, I do what everyone else does. I hold the door open for people. Well, David here is going to kind of kind of blow that up because if you think of this, this is the king of a nation saying this. There's, there's some humility here. Verses four, five and, uh, 4 and 5. Against you only I have sinned and done what's evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. He's always been sin. We're, we are born sinners with no hope. Only God is justified. Only God is blameless. We're filled with false justification and hold the blame for many things. I th- think about this. Anytime you see two kids get in a fight, what do they do? Say there's another kid over here. They point at the other person, right? Because I'm blameless. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. They did it. And when they get down to it, someone did something, right? Maybe they both were involved. Maybe they were both at fault. But God is the only one that's blameless. And so repentance requires an admission of guilt. Don't live a life of denial. We all put on a mask. You know the hardest thing is we're so focused on time that when someone asks you a question, most of the time if someone asks you how you're doing, we say good, great, or terrible. Terrible is like not as often. But we say one word. That is, that is not the truth. There's so much more complexity to who we are as people. And so we, put, we wear a mask, we put on a mask, and, and this hypocrite says we're blameless and we're justified in ourselves. You know, when, when I ask for a prayer request from someone, 
and they tell me nothing, the least you could say is, help me to grow closer to God. Leave it at that. That's it. Because don't we all, shouldn't we all desire to be closer to God? And I think if we know our sin, it's always with us. But God is justified and blameless. He's separate from us to be able to judge us. We're born with desires at war with God because we want to put ourselves on the throne. David was on the throne of a nation and he knew that God was bigger than him. Can we say that about any of our world leaders? Any of them? No. So let's end this war and repent and and see what David says here in verse 6. Verse 6 and 7. Verse 6 and 7 says, Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being. You teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Whiter than snow. Hi, oh, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. That's a little scary. Hide your face from my sin and blot out all my iniquities. David changes what he's saying here a little bit. It's kind of repetitious. If you read the psalm, he actually goes through like specific sections here. And David turns to show us even more ways that God can change us from the inside out. You know what's, you know what's so amazing about inside change? Is you can't see it. So I had an outside change over my sabbatical. I lost some weight. So people are like, man, you look good. I kind of wish they'd say you're different because God's changed you. That's what we want to desire for. So repentance requires this this inward change. God wants truth inside of us, wisdom in our hearts. He's cleansing us, this this kind of metaphorical water. It's not referring to baptism here, but it's washing and this cleaning agent that cleans us from the inside and out. God sees our inmost sins. And now that I just said that, how many of you are frightened? Because when God sees our inmost sins, we're just laid bare before him. And he still receives us when we repent. There is nothing that you can do that God won't let you repent of and receive forgiveness. We need to change inside us. We can't do this. The Holy Spirit can. God can. And it says here our bones are broken because of our sin. It's the result of sin. There's a word that fits better here. Because the word broken doesn't actually tell us what is happening. Our bones are literally crushed. They're crushed. It's kind of like taking one of those stone bowls that you have for cornmeal. You stick the corn in there and you just crush everything into a powder. That's what this is describing. We're completely crushed. You know, when I was a kid, we used to say, sticks and stones break bones, but names will never hurt me. Right now... Our bones are being crushed because of sin. This is not sticks and stones material. This is, this is pit of our souls, this, this belly of our guilt. We're crushed from the inside out by the discipline of God at times. But there is hope. And that's why like, I get here and I'm thinking, well, who's going to walk out at this point? Because, because right now we get to the part of the inward change and it's joy and gladness again. We're rejoicing because God woke us up because of discipline. I think the most transform, uh, transformational thought that I've ever had in my life is realizing that every time that I'm suffering because of pain, God is with me. And God knows. And sometimes there's a reason for that. Most of the time, it's me. I'm the problem. It's not God that's the problem. But God is still 
going to blot out our sins. He's really absorbing through Jesus Christ our sin. He's taking away any trace of the destruction we leave in our wake. There's some, I don't know if you've ever had this thought, but I've had this thought like, man, I really messed that up. Man, I wish I should have said that differently. Man, the destruction that we leave in our wake, God takes with him. We have to have more change inside us that needs to happen. And this is where, I mean, David, David's just laying it all out there in verse 10. I mean, verse 10 here says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. And take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me with a willing spirit. I think what's so interesting here is that if this first verse, verse 10, Psalm 51.10, if we memorize that one verse, I think that could be a prayer every day for the rest of our lives. I think that we could wake up and we could say, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Renew a right spirit within me. What is renewal? It's something that's already got the basis there. We're made in the image of God. It's something that's already there, but renew what is right in me. Renew the Holy Spirit's work in my life. Create a clean heart in me, God, because I know it's corrupted. I know there's going to be struggles. I know that my heart is not right sometimes. So repentance requires prayer for spiritual transformation. Who can transform us? God can transform us. We can't transform us. I mean, it's, it's impossible. This is the positive solution. It's not just blotting out our sin. And I think of someone spilling like red wine on white carpet and you're down there blotting it out, right? That's what it was talking about earlier. And now it's saying, God, I'm laying this before you. Renew a right spirit in me. Give me a clean heart. Change what's inside me. Don't just make my outside look good. Make my inside change. Spiritual transformation starts in our hearts. It's, it leads to a right spirit, a willing spirit. And there's inner and outer cleansing that happens through the prayers of repentance. There's spiritual transformation that re- it affects our entire being. It can only come from God. You know what the most common books sold right now? Self-help books. Because we're looking for other saviors, other things that, we can, that can help us. But the reality is, there has been one solution And that's through God. Because God gives us a clean heart, a right spirit, a willing spirit is the result of transformation. And we need the Holy Spirit to change us. David is so concerned about this when he wrote this that he says, take not your Holy Spirit from me. That should be one of our fears. Like, God, just don't take away your Holy Spirit because I know that's the only thing that's going to change my life. We love for the presence of God when we repent. We love that. We love having the presence of God when we repent. But we also realize it's not our strength that transforms us. He's the one creating the clean heart, renewing the spirit, the willing spirit. He's the one restoring our joy. A joyless life is is a sad life. God is the joy giver, and sin is a joy thief. If God's giving us joy, sin steals that joy. It takes it away. So this guy named John Gottman talks about a concept in marriage. It's called bids. And bids are appeals for connection. And we're appealing to God for connection. When we repent, we are appealing. They come in many different ways. Sometimes we, we talk 
more negatively or positively, but here we're asking God for connection in our heart and our spirit in ways that he can only transform. It's not just a cleansing, it's a bid. It's an it's a appeal for connection so we have total transformation in our lives, so we have more intimacy with God because we're, we want to be closer to him. There's nothing, it's almost like having a magnet, and God is the polar opposite to us, and we're going to get stuck together because we want to be so close to God. We want to be intimate with him. So what are your bids for connection with God? What do, you, what do you regularly do? Maybe it's a devotional life. Maybe it's a prayer life. Maybe it's both together. Maybe it's, maybe it's times with other people where you study God's word together. We need to connect with God. David, the murdering adulterer, the, the king that had it all, you know, his son Solomon was the richest man that the world has ever seen, and David was pretty close. And yet he realized how poor he was in his soul without the Holy Spirit. So we have to remember that. And so we need, we need to connect with God. We need to connect with God. And so verse 13 through 17, I think it's so important here as we read this to, to think about this from our perspective. Insert yourself into this as if you were to say this to God. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open up my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, nor I would, get, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise." This transformation that we're praying for is so profound from the person that repents that they turn and they tell others about God. You know, what, you know the sign of someone that's a newer believer is you realize how passionate they are about their faith. And sometimes I think the longer we're in the church, the longer we're around other believers is we forget about our first love, the thing that brought us to where we are, the repentance that brought us to where we are. So we want to turn away from what we were doing and move towards God. And so we need to maintain that passion. Because here it says repentance leads to praising and teaching about God. Those are things that need to happen. It's not a one-time thing. It's not a one-time event. It's a lifestyle of saying, I'm praising God for this week because this happened this week. And I turned from this. I struggled for part of the week. Teaching others about God's character leads to a return to right relationship with our creator. If we believe that, we're going to talk about it. Maybe the only thing we talk about. And people might think we're weird. They might not want to listen to us. We're going to talk about his mercy and his love that overcome all, it overcame all of our sin through Jesus Christ. David, that wrote this, I want, I want to remind you, think about this. It didn't take away all the effects of his sin. So if you're looking for like the golden ticket in Willy Wonka, it's not going to happen. What God's saying here is that there still will be effects for sin, but you're in right relationship with me, so you can handle anything that comes your way. David didn't, didn't have all the sin effects taken away. So because of his relationship with Bathsheba, the person he committed adultery with, he had a son that died when he was born. He also had a son that rebelled. And this son tried to kill him and take his throne. And God says in his word that this is because you sinned against me. These are the effects 
The, the effects of sin many times linger and we continue to cry out to God. But the only reasonable response is to sing and celebrate who God is. And, and the person that delivered us from sin, the God that is over sin, death, and destruction, that's destroyed it once and all for eternity. The sacrifices God wants is not something traditional. In, in their culture, when it talks about this burnt offering, they would bring a lamb and essentially they'd put it on the altar and they would burn it because, because that was the offering. But God is not asking for that from us. He wasn't even asking that from David. But he's asking for you to come to him as broken as we are. Our spirits are broken. Our hearts are broken. And you know contrite? I always like look at words and I'm like, I never use the word contrite. So I'm, I'm looking it up and I looked and it really just means crushed again. I think there was an emphasis there, broken and crushed. When our hearts are completely crushed, where do we turn? We've got nothing left. And maybe you haven't met a nothing left moment in your life. Maybe that's something you need right now. Or maybe you're already there. Whatever it is, God is there with you. And this, this idea of being crushed. So as a parent, you ever have someone, whether you've been, obviously you've been someone's child or you're a parent yourself, or, and your parent says to you, I'm disappointed in you. This brokenness is that pit of the stomach. My parents just told me I'm disappointed in you. And yet, God, in that moment of disappointment, he comes to you and he forgives you. He doesn't say, he doesn't leap on more, more guilt. It, it means that we're coming to him with a complete brokenness for our sin because we know he's disappointed, but we also know that we love him and we care for him. These external emotions, we, we try not to be emotional in church sometimes. Have you ever noticed that? There's certain traditions that are really emotional. There's certain ones that aren't. I don't think we're very emotional. This literal, people are weeping because of their sin. The external emotions are just part of the response, but the inward change is what we don't see and what we need. You know, I, I've been to youth conference so many times, and I've seen these kids. They come up, they come forward, they pray to receive Christ in their life, and they're emotional about it, and then like three weeks later, it's really hard. But I want to tell you something. That doesn't mean that the first decision wasn't genuine. What it does mean is, in that moment, God broke them over their sin. And I think we need to remember that. This is a pattern of our heart. We need to be vulnerable with our hearts. If you, if you look at that quote from C.S. Lewis, we really have a choice. We can hide our hearts in our selfishness and keep ourselves from God, or we can make ourselves vulnerable to God who's going to take our broken heart and put it back together. Slowly, piece by piece, put it back together. Repenting means turning from one thing to being or doing another. God's asking that from us. When we read his word, it's very clear that there's something that is wrong in the world. And we can be a part of the thing that changes that. David was guilty from, of murder and adultery and he turned from it. If we can, by God's mercy, we can change the same way. If David can, by God's mercy, we can also, and God's love, we can change too. This is, you know, this was a lyric from a song, and I just, when I was listening to the psalm and I was reading it over and over, I heard this and I thought, this is exactly what we need. 
We need our hearts broken for what breaks God's heart. And maybe that's the prayer that we pray every day. God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Whether it be my personal sin, whether it be something that's happening in the world, injustices, whether it be people that don't have things that they need, whether it be people halfway across the world that don't know Jesus, but break my heart for what breaks yours. And in your infinite Holy Spirit, allow me to be a part of the solution. Allow me to change. So I, I get to so what? And you guys, maybe you're wondering why I start with Psalm 51 in this series. And I think it's almost a, a complete step back. Last week, we actually, to end our Letters to Leaders series, we talked about uh, the gospel and having confidence in Jesus Christ and what, what does that look like. And, and so if we're going to have confidence, it's going to start with repentance. I think today is going to be a little different. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of just go right into communion here. But if you need to talk to someone in the room, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a friend, and you need to make something right, this is the time to do it. This is the week to do it. If it's someone here, it's not going to be awkward because people will get up and move around and you can come up here uh, and pray. And, and, but realize this. God knows everything about you and still receives you. I know there's probably no other human being on this planet that would do the same. And we would say, oh, my, my spouse or, or my, my parents would. Or... But God receives us and he doesn't want us to stay the same because he loves us so much. He doesn't want us to, to live a life of destruction and sin. And so repentance is an appeal to the character of God. We're just asking God to be who he says he is. Love us. Be merciful. Be gracious. That's all we're asking. Repentance requires this admission of guilt saying, I did this. We don't want to accept responsibility in our culture. The, 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 the idea that I did something and yet I'm, I, I'm expressing guilt when no one actually knows what I did except for God is, is so foreign to us. So we admission of guilt, but we also pray for inward change and spiritual transformation. We have to have inward change. We need to crave it. It's almost like, I, I, this is a negative term, but we almost mean, need to be addicted to praying for spiritual transformation in our lives. We need transformation. We want more transformation. And repentance leads to praising and teaching about God. We can't forget that the response to God is always telling others about him. Our response for what he's done for us is that we go talk to others about it. And some of you here may not know him and may listen to me and say, ah, that's really not my thing. But I, I just want to give you a small, a small warning. Remember that quote at the beginning, how it said to love is to be vulnerable? You have to, you have to be vulnerable to love. And you can live a life empty from love or you can have access to the love that overcomes everything in your life. The love that is not going to leave you high and dry. The love that no matter what happens to you, won't leave you. You can have access to that today. So today, we're going to take communion. And I'm going to, I'm actually just have 
the ushers come forward to pass out the communion now. I'm going to do it a little differently today because I think we need some time to let some of this marinate on Psalm 51. As we start, I do want to be clear, though, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that he died for you and rose on the third day and provides forgiveness for sins, communion's for you. You guys can, you guys can pass out right away. I'll, I'll pray a little bit later. But, it, but if you, you don't believe that today, that Jesus resurrected from the dead, that died for your sins, then we'd ask that you'd abstain because it's very clear in Scripture that the tone that we need to worship with. So today I'm going to do a little something different. This is just kind of going back to the sermon. It's just all together. I want to set some tones. I'm going to ask some questions. I don't usually ask questions for communion. Is your heart and spirit broken because of your sin? Is it broken because of your sin? And the second one is, are you praising God for his transformation in your life? Are you praising him? And this is probably the hardest one. Has or is your spirit crushed by sin? Psalm 139 says something that I think is really important for us to remember. It says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. This idea of, of a grievous way. See anything that grieves your heart, God, that makes you sad. And in this, in this, the, the, Near Eastern culture, it would be people weeping. If there's anything that makes you weep, God, lead me in the way everlasting, in the opposite direction. That should be our prayer today. This is a reflection on our temptation to run from God when we need to resolve to surrender to God's pursuit. So spend this time for communion time of prayer and reflection focused on repenting of our sins, asking for spiritual transformation, and praising God for what he's doing. We will take the bread and the cup after I, I pray, after a couple minutes of reflection. Father, we come before you. And we need clean hearts. We want you to search us and help us turn from our ways. Don't let us run from how you're pursuing us. God, 
without your Holy Spirit, we can't change. But God, that same Holy Spirit that was in the church, in the apostles, as they wrote your word, is the the same Holy Spirit that we have access to that can change and transform the world 2,000 years later. God, so we ask that you break our hearts for what breaks yours and that God, in your love and your mercy, that you put us back together. You build our hearts strong and healthy, a willingness to be vulnerable with you gives us so much more than locking our hearts in a box and never letting anyone in. So God, I just pray today over all of us that you would open our hearts and our minds to what your will is for our life. You open our hearts and our minds to the the repentance that we have access to, the forgiveness that comes as a result of it. Because you're a holy God. You're set apart. You're different than us. And yet sometimes we look at you as if you're one of us. And you're much greater than that. God, we just ask today that as we repent of our sin, you would help us turn from that sin and you would give us new life, redeemed, changed, transformed. thank you for your son who died on a cross but rose again on the third day to give us new life and hope. We say all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now take the bread that symbolizes the body of Christ. Now take the juice that symbolizes the blood of Jesus poured out for us.